Welcome to the Run From The Norm podcast. On this podcast, we explore what motivates and inspires unique individuals to embrace creative self-expression, one run and one adventure at a time. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds. So this conversation was a fun one for me, and I think my guest Dan Button would say the same thing. I only knew of Dan from watching him gobble up local Strava segments before I cold DM'd him, asking if he would be willing to chat with me on the podcast. He graciously accepted, and we agreed on a good time to chat. So we met face-to-face about five minutes before we hit record, and Dan did not disappoint. Here are a few quick notes about Dan. He is a 233 marathoner. He took second place at the race to Roby Creek in 2017. He ran a 303.50K at the 2021 Weezer River Trail Run, which was the eighth fastest 50K in the nation for the year. He's competed in the U.S. Track and Field Trail Nationals. He's a co-race director for the Boise Front Trail Races, and he also holds the fastest known time for the full 23.5-mile point-to-point Boise Greenbelt Run from Eagle to Lucky Peak in 2 hours and 36 minutes, which is about a 6.38 per mile average, and then kept on going on a casual uh, total of a 40-mile run that day. Please join me for a fun conversation with a guy who is equally as passionate about spreading the love of running with others as he is getting outside to enjoy a run of his own. I have to say, Dan Button truly does run from the norm. My guest today is Dan Button. Dan, thank you for taking the time to join me. Um, We've crossed paths on Facebook. We haven't actually met face-to-face until five minutes ago, so this is going to be a pretty interesting (laughs) conversation, but uh, um, I'm really looking forward to it, and I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, likewise. Um, Likewise. So so let's start out kind of early on and tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what got you to where you're at now. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a long story and a short story, I guess, but <laughs> I'll give the the medium length here. <laughs> All right, as long as you want. Yeah, so I grew up in New Hampshire, over in over in the uh, northeast top of the top of the country. Um, grew up in central New Hampshire. It's a lot of lakes, mountains, rivers, playing in the woods. Um, some of my earliest fondest memories are just building my own log cabin out behind our house. Mm. Don't know whose property it was even on. I'm sure it was past the limits of our like half acre lot. Yeah, when you're a kid, you, you don't know, care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Were, were you an only child or do you have siblings? Uh, I have five siblings. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, pretty big family. I'm the second youngest. So okay. I had a lot of, uh, you know, hand me down uh, ideas and items, you know. Uh, I, I know that well. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the ideas not so great, but it was fun growing up in a large family, just built in friends. And Was everybody pretty active or were you kind of a, an outlier in that yeah, regard? I was probably an outlier in the opposite direction, actually. Oh, really? So I think all but one of my siblings played sports at a high school level and then, you know, younger up through high school, if not through college. Um, my younger sibling didn't. And then, yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. So I wasn't. What were you like when you were young? Um, I was a lot of just in my own head, imagination, that type of, so mm-hmm. a lot of outdoor playing, but it was, you know, it was in costume dressed as a hobbit or you know? nice. deep <laughs> in the imagination. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Getting all the neighborhood kids that were around our age to, to do whatever I wanted them to do as far as, you know, what, what games we we're going to play and forts we were going to build and all that. <laughs> nice. So you've moved yourself into running a little bit later and we'll, we'll get into that. Cause I do want to ask you about your first 5k and your running attire, your footwear at that race, but <laughs> Um, so if you weren't into running earlier on in, in your youth, then 
what was your let's let's say your secret talent? You know, everybody's got a, a passion when they're mm-hmm. young. Did you, you know, were you a great artist? Did you was it just you're in the imagination and you had great ideas? Yeah, I think I think that's a great question. I think if I had to to label just one thing, it's probably the same as what it is today, where I have a pretty good ability at going really deep into whatever I'm interested in. Interesting. Okay. At the time, it was you know, like I mentioned, the imagination and fantasy, and was writing my own Lord of the Rings fan fiction, and you know, at at like age twelve, and like I probably wrote like twenty chapters of a book and subsequently lost it, which is a shame. But yeah. Just going really into whatever my hobby was. Interesting. So I went from that kind of period up into high school, started getting really into cars. So my, my first job, basically, I got a job to save money to buy a car. That was my, well, I think a DVD player first, because, you know, those were the times. Gotta, we were you got to get that. So what <laughs> yeah. car were you saving for? Uh, I, I think my first car, not, not I think, I know, it was a 95 Honda Civic. Okay. And that was just, you know, to get around. But then sure. I got the, the kind of bug and started started tuning and and. What all do you do to so. it? You're, that's that's my other passion. Oh, that, is I grew up know, building cars, so you start talking cars, yeah, and I'll go left turn all the I'm way. Nothing I'm proud of on the on the Civic, you know, just all the annoying mods like the you know the exhaust, loud exhaust, and the intake, and, and just yeah. simple stuff. But it it kind of lit the fire for for going really deep into that new that new hobby. So kind of moving on from there, I ended up going to college basically just to get a business degree, just to learn how to be able to start my own business, which was a performance automotive really? garage. So that really? was just like I, I mean when I go deep, it was. All the way through high school, all the way through college, ended up founding a business with a couple of friends where we were doing, you know, importing engines from, you know, Japan, Japan, and, really? and doing engine swaps and high performance, built a couple of race cars and had some other friends that we actually got to go race across a couple of different tracks in the East Coast. What and, kind of racing were you doing? Were you uh, doing? Like time attacks. So okay. Just all out single lap, you know, against against the clock. So I used to uh, work as a business manager for a speed shop around here, and I, I grew up building hot rods. I've got my own little my own little shop that I started too. It, I think I every it. car guy just yeah. they they want to have their speed shop, whether they actually do anything yeah. with it or not. But it sounds like you actually did. Yeah, yeah. So we we ended up renting out a big, pretty good uh, garage space. First started at my parents' house and did that for a couple of years, That's and then awesome. right about the time when we went a little more legit we were all still working full-time jobs you know it's just a passion and we were you know we were taking business and you know we had a business llc and everything but we were doing it kind of on the side and we got to that step where it was like time to really go all in yeah and i had just lost the i had just lost the itch like the really passion had just gone away what I think happened it become work you know it wasn't fun it was just i was working you know 40 hours a week and then 60 hours a week on every night i mean it was no sleep it was just mm. fully in and i think as soon as that passion starts to die away a little bit, you're right. in trouble. And it starts like, becoming work. Yeah, it starts becoming work. Yep. And it wasn't paying. And my full-time job didn't pay well at the time either. And I started thinking, I need a future. Yeah, you know, I'm getting into my mid-20s. Fast. This was fun through college. And now I'm getting to my later 20s. I need to start. So this might be a good segue thing. So if you're getting into your you know, early to mid-20s, I think if I uh, understood the story correctly, it was about when you were 24 that you had a wild hair to run your first 5k and you ran it in your dad's basketball shoes from uh, from <laughs> yeah. what I saw on one of your YouTube videos yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So tell me about that. Yeah, so what happened was I I left the business with my friends that I had. They kept going, you know, we were left on good terms and I said, "All right, guys, I'm just done. I I'm I'm not into the car thing anymore." And I had I don't know exactly how how long had passed. Maybe a few months had passed. And I heard about some charity 5K, this really sad story. A a young teacher had passed away suddenly. They were doing a 5K in her honor. Mm. And at the time, I was going going to this church where we were using space at the school where the 5K was. So it was just such a random, like, 
things all lined up where it's I heard kind about of this serendipitous race. then. It's kind of serendipitous. And I was talking to my dad about it. And he's like, you should run it. And I'm like, well, why not? I've never run a 5K. Was your since. dad a runner? I mean, if he's got basketball he, shoes he for running. Yeah, <laughs> he was, he's big into basketball. Okay. Even today at almost 80, he's, he'll still try and hoop when he can. So. Nice. But yeah, he had run cross country in, in high school okay. and he still had these memories of it. You know, it was just, just fond memories and played soccer. And my older siblings had played soccer and basketball and none of them have ever run, but, you know, running sports. Right. So. So did you tell everybody at this point, I'm going to do this thing or was it just something you put your head down and you were going to do it quietly and see how yeah, it went? I think I think I knew a couple other folks who were doing it, not like close friends, but it was just kind of one of those things. This seems like a good cause. We'll go out and spend. I, mean, I figured, you know, if I walk it, it's not going to take that long anyway. So, yeah, there wasn't really much thought. You know, I had no idea it was going to sign up some and go. Of, yeah. Some new some new thing that would go even deeper into than anything yet. <laughs> so and how did it go? Uh, I think about as well as anybody's first 5k. I mean, I think I ran 27, 28 minutes. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't one of those situations where you run it. You hear some of these folks like, oh, my first 5k was slow. It was only 15 minutes, you know, and you're yeah. like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, like, <laughs> no, it wasn't in. one of those. It was like an average 5k. <laughs> it was just like, but, but I something finished clicked and I, in you, huh? Yeah, I finished and I thought, you know, that wasn't terrible. And most of the people I'm talking to finishing and other friends who've done some running, they're like, running's terrible. So I thought this is kind of weird that I didn't hate it, you know, because it seems like most people go to the gym and it's this necessary evil on the right. treadmill or something. And I was like, yeah, it wasn't bad. Did you did <laughs> so. you train for it or did you just no, no walk no. up to the line and went for it? I don't think I ran a mile first, if I remember correctly. Really? I think I just went to went, went out and did it. it. I mean, like I said, I had to borrow the shoes. So yeah. like you said, yeah. So, <laughs> so what happened after that? Uh, I think I saw a few more like just local charity 5Ks, and I think that was enough for a little while. If I remember correctly, it's like six six months or so. I did maybe a 5K every other weekend, hmm. so I, I kind of got more into it. I started looking at oh what what's a quick 5K? How can I start chopping some time off of what I'm doing, seeing if I can get any better at it? But it was still at that time it felt like a passing interest, right? So I I had gotten pretty big into weight lifting weights during the car car end of the car kind of season and then into that time when I wasn't really doing much. So I'd started to put on some muscle and I was feeling pretty good about that. So the running kind of seemed like, well, if I run a few miles before I lift, you know, people say you should do Get cardio. cardio. First. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a couple buddies who were really into the weightlifting side and they were like, Oh, we'll go run ten minutes with you first. So it just kind of became something like that for yeah, maybe six months or so. And then I read Born to Run, of course, uh, at that time. I think changed it was, everything. I started running in like fall up through about Christmas. And I want to re- want to say my mom bought me Born to Run for Christmas. And, you know, January, February, I'm reading the book going through it like, I got to start running 100 mile races. And man, this is the. So this what was it future. about the book that really spoke to you? I think it was the first running book of any kind that I'd read. So it was just kind of the idea of you know, all the things we love about running, learning about them for the first time, learning about the mindset and these superhuman people that can just run all day and all night. And yeah, it just kind of appealed to me being able to see, cause I, I feel like some of my other hobbies I'd seen, you know, how creative I could get, what I could build. And, and I'd never done any, you know, like many sports of any kind. So it was like, well, I haven't explored what my body can do yet. You know, I've done all these other yeah. things and I've had all these other interests, but I've never, I've never really tried to see what I can 
build my body into, right? You know, so and the li- the lifting I think kind of triggered that, and you know, before the started running, seeing was, some results, yeah. And, and I'm like, my body looks different now. That's fun, you know. <laughs> and this is all as you're kind of rolling now into your mid twenties. Yeah, this and, is my mid. And so, are yeah. you finished with college at this point, and yep. you're working full time? Yep, working full time. I was working for the state of New Hampshire, so worked in the state house in New Hampshire doing administrative service stuff for you know mass mailings and state. Um, yeah, mail stuff. <laughs> Way to explain it. Yeah. The, de- the deep dive of, of state legislature. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, and then uh, so you're you're doing that. Then you're working in the legislature. You're starting to get into these five Ks, um, and you're starting. You read Born to Run, and things start to look a little bit different. At what point now are you starting to look at running as something more than just a hobby, and as a potential opportunity to really deep dive now and see what you're capable of and take it to that next step? Yeah, I th- I think I started. I, I read Born to Run, thought I'm going to run all these crazy ultras and then started looking up like, well, what's the stepping stones? Right. Because I thought, you know, well, with my car is my first car was a Honda Civic. It wasn't anything I was proud of. But then I got this Nissan and I swapped, in, you know, a Skyline engine into it and built this little hot rod. You know, I thought, OK, so what's the what do I start with? I did a, some 5Ks. I think I'd run, you know, six, seven, eight miles at a time by that point. And one of the stepping stones to me before running an ultra would be to run a full marathon. OK. So living in New Hampshire, right around that time, I got a new job where I moved down to Massachusetts for the job. So and how I'm far away is is about an hour and a half from okay. where I was living at the time. So not a big move, but logis- or uh, geographically a little bit closer to Boston where suddenly uh, you start thinking, I want to run a marathon. I want to run, yeah. you know, and <laughs> yeah. what comes next is, well, I want to run Boston Marathon. Any runner I talk to, even in New Hampshire, all across New England, if you talk about running, you talk about running Boston. That's Interesting. It. You know, it's, you, you, you're in Boise, sense, you talk yeah. about Roby Creek, right? It's yeah. like, it's like that, but a hundred times bigger. I mean, you talk to some casual person in a grocery store and you say, I ran a 5k and they're like, when do you run in Boston? It's oh, like, but it's not an easy thing to do now. So you're going yeah. from running these 5k's and now, you know, looking at potentially getting a little bit farther. And now you're starting to dream of Boston. Yeah. So what do you do at that point? So I started, I, I went online, downloaded a training plan, how to run a marathon, looked at the time I needed to run in Boston, which was I think 305, but you have to go usually a little under that to actually get in because it sells out, you know. So I said, all right, I got to run a three hour marathon. So I went and did my first marathon. I signed up for a marathon. I did, you know, I did a training plan. So I put a little forethought into it. I was kind of getting a little more advanced. And then how long was your training plan? Uh, Like three months, you know, okay. standard, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, 20 week or, or something like that. So I picked out. I think I picked out a plan that said 330 because I thought, OK, I'm not going to get in this year anyway, because when it when it lines up, you have to sign up for Boston like six months before. And, you know, there's a whole a qualifying window. So I knew I wasn't going to hit the qualifying window anyway. So it's like I can try one at three. You see if I can run 330 because, you know, at the time, my 5Ks were at like eight minute pace, maybe seven minute pace by then. Like got a little quicker. That's pretty mature of you to look at it that way. Cause I think most people and myself included, I'd think, okay, I've got, you know, two weeks to, to get ready for yeah. this massive effort. I'm doing it. I'm all in and I'm going to qualify. But you actually looked at it as this is going to be a learning opportunity. Yeah. And this first one is going to be my, my step into seeing what it's like. And you set a realistic goal, which I think is yeah. actually pretty impressive. So how did that go? It, I mean, it went it went pretty good. I, I set the goal like that. But, you know, we all have dreams of of well, I'll run a lot quicker. But yeah. now I ran about three thirty one and change. I had to walk at mile 20 till about 24. And then I had some two of my best friends from like high school showed up and 
they were driving alongside me in the car. One of them's wearing his Bruins jersey, jogging next to me, eating a Snickers. And I just <laughs> stole his Snickers and ate it. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm about to pass out. I've never felt this way before. You know, 22, 23 miles in at that point. Anything I can get into yeah, my face ate, right now yeah, at this ate point. Ate his Snickers and able, was able to start jogging again to the finish and ran like 331. So I'm talking, you know, again, I felt like it was a not a quick process, but a gradual process where I started to see maybe there is a little talent here, too. You know, I'm working hard at it, but I'm like, oh, that isn't a terrible time for your first one, you know. So you said a little maturity. The maturity went away right after that. I think <laughs> a month later, I did my second marathon and it oh. was like in a blizzard. I got a fever the night before. Still did it. It's terrible, terrible idea. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's like, uh, like with the snow that we've received here recently. I, I look at it as an adventure opportunity. It's time yeah. to go out and play. And I actually saw um, a video that you had just posted a couple of days ago too about yeah. getting out in the winter. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all part of the fun. It is. So you do yeah. this a, a month and a half later after your first Boston. Now you off well, of my your, first marathon, not Boston. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. Off of your first, so I'm marathon. still working to get into Boston. At gotcha. This point. Yeah, yeah. And so you finish that first marathon, and you had said that you get pretty deep into things when you were younger, and you know maybe analytical, and you kind of breaking it down. So you're doing this coaching plan, and you finish this first marathon. Are you tracking all your results, or is it just today yeah. I'm going to do this, and then you're worried about tomorrow, tomorrow? Or are you actually looking back at what you did and coming up with new training plans going forward? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I think outside of the first six months when I wasn't really running too diligently, I have I think I have a record of every single run I've done. Oh so wow! Started taking those like I don't think they I don't even know if they even have them now, but they had that ring bind calendar you know like mm. annual running calendar mm-hmm. log that you'd you'd buy one every year the yep. 2013 running you know so i think i have 2012 and on i started running in like fall of 20 uh 10 10 10 was that first 5k so it's easy oh, wow. date to remember so i don't have from there up until like early 2011 but from then on i'd been yeah i'd been logging stuff pretty pretty, pretty consistently yeah yeah and so then your second marathon you move into and how does that one go well, it was, you know, I had a fever the night before. I'm sick. It's a blizzard. I run like 336. So I didn't improve that's still, at all. I mean, running in a but, blizzard, that's still pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I got home. My, I had to go back to my parents' house and have my mom nurse me back to health literally for like three days. I was. You Load know, you up on chicken soup. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> She's thinking, I'm pretty sure she'll, she'd be able to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure she was telling me like, maybe don't run anymore. This is not good for you. You know, this is, <laughs> but you're looking at when can I sign up for the next one yeah, now yeah, while she's yeah. nursing you back to hell. And, um, now I have two, you know, now I have more beta, right? I got one, one pretty good attempt where I fell apart at the end. One where I felt terrible the whole way, but never really got worse. And now I'm like, okay, so what do I do on my, on my next one? So I did wait another, the second one was in like a February and then I waited until October of that year. So, so you actually had some recovery time. Yeah, so 2012 in October, I did the Hartford Marathon in Connecticut. Okay. And then in that one, I ran 301. Oh, wow. So I, and I'd been, that was the one where I, my goal was three hours, but I knew I'd at least 305, I'd break it. So I remember coming across the finish line and somebody was finishing right next to me and they were like, you almost broke three hours. And I was like, I don't care. I just needed to break 305. And they were like, what? And I was like, I just wanted to get in Boston. That, that was, was my only target. goal at the time. Yeah. So I knew I had a few minute cushion. I'd be okay to get in because it usually goes under that, that goal time. So, and then, yeah. And then I basically signed up when I got home because it was the following, the following one. But I think the way it ended up working out is I didn't sign up in time mm. or I didn't qualify in time. So whatever ended up working out, my, my, First Boston was 2014 instead of 2013. 
which ended up being fortuitous because 2013 was the year of the bombing. Mm, so yeah. I was on course that year at like halfway out there supporting some friends who were running because by this point I'm living down in Massachusetts near pretty pretty close to the course. So I ended so up you were running. on course supporting some other friends when the bombing happened. Yeah. What was that like? It was crazy. I mean, still today, it's it's just hard to even think about what happened. We were we were like having a party, right? Because it's the Boston Marathon. It's a right. state holiday, so everything's closed in Massachusetts. It's oh, just wow. this, it's on a Monday. It's a very, you know, it's it's a very unique thing. Patriot Day, it's called. So it's a big like celebration of it's almost like a Fourth of July kind of thing going on. There's, you know, people in Minutemen militia outfits out oh, there re- doing reenactments, you know, Paul Revere's riding by on a horse. And so we were having a good old time at the halfway mark at Wellesley College, just, you know, yucking it up. And then no one's calling, no one's texting because all the cell phone coverage goes down there. They completely. So the whole state of that whole eastern side of the state lost cell service because they got overloaded the network. So Holy we don't smokes. know what's going on. We hear something about a terrorist attack and we don't have cell phones. And you're like, like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. But I didn't know any of that for like three hours because we were just at a barbecue. <laughs> None of us had our phones on. We were just hanging out. The race had kind of ended. So we were just, you know, having a barbecue. Waiting for out. everything to come back up. Yeah, and- yeah. So I finally drove home, which was like 40 minutes west of the city. And when I got back to where I was living at the time, that's when I got back within cell range out there. And just a couple hundred texts from friends and family because everyone knew I was going to be down there at the race. They knew I wasn't running, but they were like, oh, he's going to be down there celebrating, doing something. So they're all just thinking he's at the finish line. Why, you know, where else would you be? And right. So everyone was terrified and worried and it was crazy. But the the positive thing for me anyway ended up being that I got to run it the year after that. Yeah. So, so how was that coming back the year after? It was just incre- I mean, it was incredible. It was like immediately it's this you know if you ever seen a patriot fan though they can be terrible but they can also be great when they're mm-hmm. coming back and proving that the whole boston strong thing was just i mean it was intense yeah it was not a joke it was amazing to see i think they said there was a million and a half spectators on the course that's crazy and i mean it's point to point it starts out in rural suburbs and there was people three rows deep in these, how, like, do you, little how do you channel towns. that now into uh, into your race effort Oh, it was incredible. So they have these huge banners. Every every new town you run through, six or seven towns. Somebody from New England might hear this and, and kill me for not remembering that. But <laughs> you run through each new town, and there's a big banner that says, like, welcome to Newton, welcome to Wellesley. Okay. I hit each one of those, and I'm throwing my hands in the air. Come on, is that all you got, Newton? You know, I'm just, I was in riding it. this crazy wave of adrenaline. And I think, if I remember correctly, I think I ran three th- or uh, 236. That, that first Boston year. It's just flying. So, yeah, I just rode that rode that wave of energy. I finished and squeezed a volunteer's lights out because I asked him who won, and they didn't know the name. They just said an American. And I'm thinking it's Ryan Hall because we saw him at the start line, and I was lucky enough I got to be in the, the uh, corral, the first corral right behind the elites. So he came by and fist pumped all of us or gave us high fives. And it was just this like thrill, you know, it's absolutely yeah, surreal, surreal. Meb comes running by, That's but crazy. Ryan was pumped and he was like, he had said ahead of time to the press, you know, we're going to win the Americans after the bombing. Like this is important to us. So I thought he had won and I, I'm just like a huge Ryan all fan. So I'm I like squeezes. She's like, stop. I just want to put a metal rider <laughs> neck. What is going on? man? And then I found out Meb had won, which if you I'm sure everybody's heard the story. He had the names of the victims on his bib mm-hmm. and it's just so personal. And yeah, so that extremely powerful, yeah, extremely powerful. And it felt like nothing in running will ever top this moment. And that's <laughs> pretty amazing. In some ways experience. nothing has. But in some other ways, like personally, I've had so many more amazing moments since then. So, yeah. 
Well, uh, I'm going to save the question. I'm going to ask about that then until we get a little bit farther in. But I do want to ask, by the time you got to this Boston effort, what are you doing different now in your training regimen? Because I um, I did uh, read something, or maybe it was one of the videos where you're, you self-coach. Yeah. And I believe you also even coached uh, assistant coach or coached for a college as well. Yeah. So how do you transition from just getting going and reading a few training plans and reading born to run to putting together a training plan that takes you down to a two thirty six marathon or cause that's some serious wheels right there at that point. So yeah. what are you doing for like say training volume and uh, uh, you have to get yourself ready for something like that? Yeah, I did a couple things that I, well, I shouldn't even take credit. A couple things I lucked into. <laughs> so when I moved down to Massachusetts, I was like, I didn't know anyone. So I was first of all looking for some friends, but also looking for running friends because I had just been getting really into it right before I moved. So I moved down there. New England has this amazing club running scene. I mean, there's 10 to 20 pretty good sized clubs in different regions. So I synced up with a club that was nearby. Most of the club at that time was a bunch of like masters, even veterans. So I'm running with a bunch of guys in their like 50s and 60s. Half of them had been 220 marathoners back in the 70s. I say, probably yeah. still just fast <laughs> just, as yeah. all get out. So we're doing indoor track workouts that I had no idea I was doing. So that was where it was pretty fortuitous that I, I hooked up with the right people to, to really give me the advice on how to actually train. Because I had been running those, you know, those first couple of years. I probably tried to PR in the 5K every day on every run. You know, yeah. I, it's like so, yeah, I had training plans. You know, I thought I was smart building up my long runs, maybe. But when it came to just daily runs, there was not a single easy run. It was just every day, you know, which, go hard. Yeah. Which I would tell anyone now is a great way to be mediocre and injured all the time. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So would you so. say that that's your kind of the big the big change in your training then as you went from going all out every run to where yeah. you were able to be a little bit more thoughtful and, OK, what do I need to get out of this day? Yeah. Yes. What are you doing for volume at this point? Uh, probably 60, 70 miles a week. Okay. I think. So putting so, in good miles. Yeah. Pretty, pretty legit volume at that point. But right after that, or maybe right around when I did that first Boston, I started getting quicker. I had started thinking about like, well, I want to run sub two thirty. I want to run even quicker. And I just pretty much started Googling like what people train for or what, what people do volume wise that are getting those times. And then I just tried to copy it. So I went from like 60, seventies to, I think 130 miles a week at my peak during oh, that Lord. time. And it didn't make me better. It just made me tired all the time. Yeah. Like, so I, you know, I kind of hit that. I went from like 301, I ran a 248 and then I ran that like 236. And then I just kind of stayed there. You know, I got down to maybe 233 in 2014, 2015. I think the next year I, I ran Boston again the next year in 233. Wow. And then I ran like three or four marathons around the same time. And that's when I finally went and got a coach because I was like, Okay, I've I've I figured it out a little bit. I got, you know, big chunks of time off every time. And at this time, I'm still just focused on marathons like that. Mm. I read Born to Run. It got me all excited about going long, but I like really yeah, trying to master things and sure. I just couldn't master it yet. So I was like, I can't move on yet. I haven't figured this out. I got to keep trying it again and again until I get it right. So so what was the uh, the biggest suggestion from your coach then at that point to yeah. move you forward? She was like, stop running 130 miles a week. She it was very, very honest advice. I'll never forget it because she said people that run 130 miles a week are running like a 220 or faster and you're running 233. 
And where did she think yeah. that the that the issue was with that? If well, you're putting she, in all this volume, how come you're not you know getting the the quickness out of yeah, it? Yeah, she was like, "You're not. You're still running too hard most of the time." Mm, She's like, okay. "You're you're running too hard and too much." She's like, "You need to dial back." She's like, "If you look at people that run about the time in the marathon that you're running, they don't need 130. That's like maybe you don't ever need it. Everybody's different with what volume they need." But I was just putting in that number because it was like, "Well, I see people that are really good. More and they is run better. a lot. You know, yeah. more is better, right?" So she was like, let's dial it back and let's start doing workouts harder. Hmm. And then that was right around the time when another friend of mine, a local friend was like, because my coach was just online. She was based in Colorado, you know, great coach. But a local friend of mine was like, hey, I need someone to help step in as a volunteer at this at this college. So I went and learned from him and put into practice, like working really hard, structuring workouts while doing it myself. Like I was running with our, our it was a, a D3 small college just outside of Boston and I was running with the guys cross country team, doing all their workouts with them and probably adding on a little to make it a little longer because they were going pretty short. But that's when I kind of started really learning like how to actually push. We had an indoor track that we had access to in the winter and just like, you know, track hack and almost puking after workouts. When you start getting to that level in a workout, it's real easy to run real easy the next day. Probably so. <laughs> I can imagine you don't want to feel that every day. No, no. And you're just forced to, you know, when you're going to the point where you're seeing stars and almost puking, yeah. you're running nine or slower the next day. It's yeah. just, you don't have a choice. You, you have yeah. to recover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that kind of really just going into all different sides of the sport instead of just being like, how much quicker can I get at this marathon? Can I cut another minute off? Can I cut another couple minutes? And how can I add yeah. more volume? <laughs> yeah, now I'm going to add more volume. It went to like, how do I learn all these other facets to running? Because then as I started working with the college and, you know, we hit, I was working with the whole team, but mostly in the cross country. But now you're you getting know, more intentional in your workouts. And, and I'm like, wow, these guys are doing crazy stuff. Like, how do I learn these other parts of. So I kind of just started going full into track and field instead of just being a marathon, you know, hobby, hobby weekend marathon runner. It's like this whole sport is vast and there's all these other things to learn. There's now, so many so. things you can do with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember reading something about uh, Nick Simmons uh, when he was at his peak running track. I think he maxed at 60, 70 miles a week yeah. too. And to, you know, he was an Olympic medalist as yeah, well. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you're still back East and these things are happening. You're bringing your time down. Now you're starting to work with coaches. You're getting into coaching and you must be really, I mean, you're in it at this point. So what's your next goal at that point? And then what takes you from being where you're at to moving over uh, to the West Coast? Yeah, so I, I ended up being in Massachusetts for about five years. And then, you know, kind of gradually did all those things and started getting into, you know, running more and more and more in track and field and started. So I joined a new club team at that time, about a couple years after I got down there. And then just met some really great connections on that team who started kind of shifting me into other interests and other things as far as running goes so mm. we had a solid tight-knit group on that team where we would compete in team competitions too so we got to do like there's a i don't even know about it anymore it's it's pretty small but everybody knows about the club cross-country track and or club mm. cross-country championships where you know it's, it's pretty competitive clubs across the country but there's also a club track championships okay. i don't think it's ever even been hosted out this way it's like these big east coast clubs they all do it so we did that as a team and just, you know, I got into um, started doing way more 10Ks and steeplechase even on the track. So I different, have no different team. This isn't the car buddies team. This is the car. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no things no. have shifted at this yeah, point. Things have shifted. So I'm running on a group called CSU Project. 
Okay. And then met just some lifelong friends there that really, at the time, I had no idea, but we're going to change the trajectory of life completely. And you're still not running trails at this point? You're still focused on no, still marathon? Run, still and running a marathon. And mo- well, a marathon and a lot more like tracks. Okay. Like 10K. So the, the club scene in New England, you'll run all the club races. So it's like there is a marathon, but there's a 10K, there's a 10 mile, there's, you know, so it's well You're getting a little bit of everything. Yeah, getting a little bit of everything. And gotcha. you're running a team, team scoring, so that makes it kind of exciting and you learn to push a little harder too because there's something else on the line, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not just, just you. It's not just a PR. It's yeah. like, oh, I got to help the team get the score. And yeah. Yeah. So one of my close friends on the team is now my wife, Sumner. Okay. So at the time, we we were friends for that whole five years I was on the team. It wasn't until uh, late 2016, early 2017, we both happened to be single at the same time. Mm. <laughs> it was like... The stars align. Yeah, there's something else here. Meanwhile, our friend Matt, who was the, the kind of the captain who'd created this club that we were on, this running club, he was like, he and his wife were like, these two got to end up together. Like, there's no doubt. Everybody else lives. saw yeah. it. They mm. never really said anything to us. They were like, we're not going to, you know, they're not the type of people to push it. Just let nature take its course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we got, we got started dating, got married. All of that was in like a couple months, you know, it was like. It's a whirlwind. Yeah, whirlwind of just like, all right this is good. We're, we're supposed to be together. Let's That's awesome. make this happen. So I had just at the same time started getting into trails. Okay. So that was, uh, basically 2016. And have you done an ultra at this point? Nope. 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 I'd actually start going the other way, right? I was doing way more 10 Ks and stuff okay. like that and shorter road races. Um, but I went up to the mountain champs, which is like a sub ultra. It's usually about either 10 K to eight miles distance. It's quite often in New Hampshire. So I went back up to New Hampshire and did that race. Uh, the coach I was still working with at the time, she had some training partners who would come, were coming out. So we're talking like elite, you know, elite level athletes from Boulder are coming out. Wow. And I was just like, okay, I'm, I, I know I have a I'm slight show connection up. to these people. So I just kind of fanboyed and was like, hey, I'm driving up from Boston if anyone needs a ride. So Addie Bracey was coming out to do her first, her first trail race. And she was like, sure, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll take, take, take you up on that. Nice. So I gave her a ride up. And then their their little group they had at the time, they were like, we got extra space in the condo if you want to stay here. So I went up there and did that Mountain Champs in 2016. And the condo I stayed in ended up being Andy Wacker, Addie Bracey, Matt Daniels, and um, Hayden Hawks. Holy smokes. And most of them were running their first trail race ever. Wow. So they all went and made the team and that, I, at that mountain. I mean, they all just went out and were like, got it done. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling at this point? And just, I finished like 55th, you know, like I had, it was my first mountain or trail race ever. I grew up hiking it. So I knew the mountains. I knew the trails in New Hampshire, but yeah, I, I still barely knew you could run up a mountain, you know, I'm like power hiking. Right? Was it so, love at first, first oh, trail yeah. run? Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, just being part of that right there, you know, with, with these, these elite athletes and just seeing and feeling like the excitement as they're making a U.S. team because I, I had started to be more aware of that, you know, and then kind of that level of the sport, but I hadn't really had any personal ambitions. It was still about like my own times, my own running. Mm-hmm. So I did that one 2016 and that's when I came back and was like, yeah, I need to go all in on trails now. This is this is this it, is where you know? I want to be. Yeah, because I just felt like for me, even though that race didn't maybe show the potential in my head, I knew it was there right away. Yeah. I was like. I can get better at this and not just PRs. I can, I can try and go somewhere with this. Like this is, <laughs> this is worth doing what I was doing with the cars. Like seeing this an is opportunity like, here. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking businesses and at some point that are going to oh, be wow. aligned with this. Like I just felt that. So 2017, I was, Sumner and I weren't married yet, but we were, we were dating and we kind of, I, I 
we might have already even been engaged. It was like right around that time, right? When we got, we got married in June. I think this was just before June. So we were just about to get married and we went up to the 2017 Mountain Champs, which were in New Hampshire again. Okay. And then uh, that was Sumner's first time doing it. I can't tell you what she placed, but I want to say like top 20. She's always been a better runner than me. So her first go at it was much better. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she, she in... 2008 she ran like a 250 marathon at boston so yeah, Holy she smokes was, yeah she was almost she was almost going to trials back then so wow. was, yeah so yeah. she's got some speed yeah oh yeah yeah okay and she never even ran full-time up until after college either she's a field hockey player so yeah it's wow it crazy. Well, so do you two are you running together at, yeah, at this point yeah. then so you're training running, together yeah we're running together all the time same coach from from colorado and just yeah getting getting to know each other better about to get married and yeah going on a lot of runs so Wow. And then we went up to New Hampshire, did that Mountain Champs. And then that year, 2017, I ended up finishing 10th. And then wow. in the trail, in the trail US Champs, anybody who's top 10, they do. It's really cool. They have uh, the whole top 10 goes up and takes a picture. So you have the top three, you know, they get their own little award ceremony. But everyone Part from of the top, top 10 is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I guess you really feel like, OK, this is this is uh, it legitimizes what you're yeah, doing yeah. now and all the effort that you're putting into it. That that kind of what you were saying that you saw a future in this and now it's like, OK, yeah, yeah, I'm making it happen. Yeah. So right around that time, or right after that, we got married, and I went to my boss, and we were looking for a house and looking for anything. My wife's I inherited two dogs, so she's got two dogs, and you got to pay extra for the apartment with the dog, you mm-hmm. know. And and we're looking around, and I think at the time we looked within about a hundred miles of Boston, and the cheapest house within anywhere within a hundred miles where we both worked was like five hundred thousand, and it was like a fixer upper, you know. It was just crazy. So we were like. We can't afford to buy here. And everyone's telling us, you just got married. We're in our younger 30s now. Like, you got to buy a house. That's the next step. And we're yeah, like, that's, that's we what can't. you do. Like, we can't do it. You know, <laughs> we, can't, we can barely afford to, you know, eat, eat, pay for groceries. So we're like, what's going to happen? So I go to my boss and we had some people in our sales team at my job who worked all over the country. But I was like, maybe I can do that. So I just. And what in. are you doing at this point for work? Uh, I'm working in, in uh, industrial automation. So like the suppliers of you know big manufacturing companies so their electrical parts if you if you ever seen like a factory line and they have all these like you know robots moving the the door to the car to all oh, those yeah. things the uh-huh. big automation equipment you know so i'm okay. working for a company that does that and uh i go to my boss and she's like yeah you want to work remote okay well when do you want to start doing that and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy so yeah we're we had just gotten married and i go back to tell sumner that night i come home from work and i'm like yeah, so my boss said we can move anywhere in the country. And wow. She's, she's got her master's in education and digital arts. So I'm like, you're a teacher. I mean, everybody needs to You can teachers, get a job right? anywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we basically just looked up and down the Rockies at that point, And we were like, let's pick a mountain town. What are we doing? And she's into trails. I mean, before we even or after we got married, we realized that I'm, my first love for sport, the only sport I ever did before I started running in my 20s was skiing, downhill skiing. OK. And she was like a sponsored snowboarder before she was a runner. And so we're she's like, wait a second. Athlete all around. Oh, too. She's got 20 sports. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah, don't even have time to go into all the stuff <laughs> she does. So so we're both like, wait, everything we love is in the mountains. So, yeah, we just kind of put our finger up and down the map like, OK, we know about Boulder. It's like the traffic of Boston. We don't want yeah. that. That's garbage. You know, <laughs> so no offense yeah. to Boulder people, but beautiful place, beautiful place, a ton of people. And it's yeah, yeah it's all right. we, we missed the boat by a long shot on that yeah. one. 
And then we're looking at places like Bend, which we absolutely love and we go often, but we can't afford to live in Bend. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not working in tech, you know, it's like, right. <laughs> I got, you know, I'm in a manufacturing here. Let's you know, be realistic. So we're looking at like Flagstaff and a couple other towns that we didn't know. Uh, Sumner had done some snowboard camps in Mammoth, so she kind of knew about Mammoth a little bit and she'd been up to Vancouver and she's she's dual citizenship with with uh, Canada. So she's okay. like, hey, we can just go to Canada. And I'm like, I'm not ready to leave the U.S. yet. <laughs> not you know? just yet. I want to get on one of these U.S. teams now. That's my next goal. Right. So so we basically didn't know about Boise. So we came out to visit everything else. We kind of had an idea. But Boise was on the list because it was actually affordable back in 2017. Mm. And we were like, well, we'll go visit. So we did a crazy whirlwind long weekend out here i think we were here for three days and saw 30 houses or something it was just like like overwhelming blurry vision by the end you don't yeah. even know what you're looking at right it's got walls it's got a roof it looks like the last one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the first one we looked at was this gorgeous house in eagle and this you know 1970s subdivision so it's still affordable and our realtor was told was telling us he's like that's the best location. He's like, I'm not trying to sway your opinion, but you know, we were looking at houses on the far side of Caldwell. We looked at like a house halfway to Idaho city at 4,000 feet. And we looked all over the place and he's like, that's going to be the most convenient, best value place for what you're trying yeah, to do, what you want to do. So we're like, okay, we don't know how to buy a house. We've never done this. So we put in an offer and hopped on our plane and we had a layover in O'Hare in Chicago and we get off and turn our phones back on. And he's like, yeah, they accepted your offer. We're like, what? Like the I whirlwind mean, e- continues. Even, even then, the you know the market was pretty crazy. So yeah. we thought, there's no way they're going to accept our offer. And we said we agreed to their asking price and told them to cover closing costs. And they were like, yeah, wow. Like our, our realtor again, goes, things just seem to be goes, aligning. This guy was a noob. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> Doesn't want to push back on it. <laughs> yeah. Just take with yeah. Yeah. So we got home and we had three weeks to pack everything up and. Holy so we, we booked one of those like, you know, you pack, they ship it things. We we're like, we're not driving a U-Haul out. That's mm. a little tricky. We got the dogs. So we packed our stuff up in a truck and then spent eight days kind of making our way across. Meandering your way. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get here and you settle in. And what's one of the first things that you do? I mean, do you really immediately start getting into running up the trails and trying to connect oh, yeah. with people? What's, yeah. I mean, what's we, were, like? we were out on the trails before we moved in. So we came out. And they weren't, they hadn't finished moving yet. So we got here, we're supposed to be like, we got here like a day after we were supposed to be able to move in and they still weren't done. So our realtor's like, yeah, I'm sorry. They're in the house still. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Like you can't go yet. We're like, are you kidding me? So we grabbed the dogs. We just driven like, I think the last day we'd driven from like Grand Junction up here. So, I mean, we were tired. Ready to move your body. Yeah. So we go to like either either Eagle Bike Park or Polecat and we do like a six mile run with the dogs and we finish and check our phone and the realtor's like, yeah, you can move in. (laughs) (laughs) Now is the time. Yeah. So we'd already been out. That's too funny. So yeah, I I think the the weekend after we moved here, we got lost running up Peggy's and ended up running like 24 Mm. miles. So it's like. It's beautiful up that way, but. Yeah. Yeah. So you get here and have you still not moved into ultra distance yet? Yeah, still hadn't done any, still hadn't done any, I think I'd ever run, I might have run like 28 miles with some friends on like a long training run on the roads, but yeah, never like officially. Yeah. And so how, do, what does that look like then? You get here and you immediately start on a, on a training plan. What's your, what's your target right now? The target was still one of the, was still like the mountain champs. So the okay. much shorter than ultra, but you know, super steep mountain races. That okay. was still the target at the time. Um, remember what the next actual race was i think it was back in new hampshire again so we had to fly back the next year 
but that was really the goal. So we were just on our own with still the same coach. So we were getting coached, you know, online coached for the first like nine months that we were here. And then three weeks before Roby, I I signed we'd signed up for Roby because I think even our realtor was like, what you got to do, do when you're in Boise, yeah, you got to run Roby. Then you got to register the morning of, you know, oh, yeah. we're all used to that with like big races anyway. You know, you're like, you got to be on the computer. So we both signed up for Roby that first year. So that would have been 28 spring of 2018, I think was the, the first Roby that we were here for. Okay. So we signed up for that. And then I think as it started getting closer, I'd been doing all my workouts by myself or just with my wife. And as Roby started getting closer, I was like, I wonder if this other, there's got to be some like faster runners in town that are doing this too. It's not just for fun. I mean, you know, you can have fun running fast too. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there's got to be some guys. So I found the Boise Billies. Okay. And then I went and did a workout with him. It was three weeks before Roby. It might have been two weeks before. It was pretty close on the race. And we did like a hard threshold effort up 8th Street. And then I think we did like two miles up and one mile down. So, yeah, I want to say this was like right before the race. It might have been the week, like three days before Roby. It was like very close because it was, you know, it was only like three miles. And on the the downhill mile, a couple of the guys and I just didn't. We were supposed to go one. We went like one and a half. We just kept going. We were running like 430 pace coming down down 8th Street. And I'm just like, I found the fast guys. This is it. it. This is it. I have people to run with, you know. That's awesome. So I was like thrilled. Almost probably almost ruined my race. But uh, and then I ended up finishing second in that first Roby. So Holy smokes. Like, You're flying this then. Is the race in town. My dentist, you know, I, I go to a teeth cleaning. It was like right afterwards. And he's like, I, mean, I remember you saying you were going to run that Roby Creek race. How'd it go? I was like, I was second. He's like, that's like the thing here. Yeah. That's good. You know? Yeah, that, that's impressive. <laughs> like, Very impressive. He's like, people in like the grocery store know about that thing. Like, that's a, that's a big deal. And I still I don't think I knew what, what big deal Roby was to the, to the area because we'd only been here like six months. But. That's crazy. And so now you're running with the Billies. How does that impact your training? Because you're self-coaching and you, well, you're working with your with your online coach as well. Yeah. So you start running with the Billy, Billies. Does that impact the specificity of your training? Or are you still just kind of doing your own thing and running with them periodically? Yeah, no, I started running with them pretty much full time as, as far as workouts go. Easy runs and, you know, still still at home. And then um, workouts once or twice a week with with the guys. Um, Matt Lay was coaching the Billies at the time, mm-hmm. so it was just kind of a annual membership, and then he'd provide like a structure for the week, but it was kind of up to you. But then he'd provide like the full workout for the for the uh, you know the Wednesday with the group. And you know, if Matt Lay's a great guy, yeah, he's just phenomenal, right? Yeah. The science that he has in his brain and the coaching experience, and you know, this guy was a former U.S. champion, right? So it's like okay, so we we met him and we were like. I don't know if we had had a one-on-one coaching relationship with him when we went back to do mountain champs the following year, my wife and I, but that was kind of like right around the same time we started working with him. So going into 2019, we started getting coached full-time by Matt. Okay. We like that's when we first decided to run ultras. He's we, local and that guy's legit. Yeah. And I think it was partly Matt that made us start running, wanting to run ultras. Cause I was still, I was fully into trails, but not at the ultra level, just the, the, the mountain champs and stuff like that. Okay. So we went back to New Hampshire to do mountain champs the next year ended up coinciding with a best friend's wedding back there which oh, coincided wow. a little too close because it was the day before oh geez <laughs> oh how did that impact it, your race it, it was, <laughs> race went terrible like we were up till midnight and then we had to drive we left at like 3 45 in the morning to get up to the race day of and just you know didn't hadn't tried something like that before and yeah that's that's a no-go if it's an important race you can't do that yeah you know? yeah not the day before <laughs> it was worth it i mean it was the wedding was more important to be there as you know we were both in the wedding so i was just like yeah this is 
yeah. So the race didn't go well. We came back and even though we knew why it didn't go well, it still kind of made me feel a little defeated on like these mountain champs. It's just so fast and competitive and having come to the sport late and gone right to marathons, it was like, I don't know if I really can run with these guys at like eight miles with 3000 feet of vert, you know, like that first year when I finished 10th or the second year I did it, when I finished 10th, it was an up down year and I'm pretty good at downhill. So I could, you know, Mm. Well, we went back and did it that that second time or third time now. It was uphill only year. And it's just oh, like, really? you got to be an aerobic animal, you know? And, yeah. And I'm sure I've gotten better since then. But still, to this day, I'm like, I don't know if I can really go aerobically as hard as some of these yeah. people who've run like 28 minutes in the 10K. You know? That's <laughs> crazy. And it's hard it's to like, gain a lot of time on the uphill. I'm yeah. like you, too. I like to stretch out the long legs on the downhill. And that's yeah. just it's like like being a kid again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the skiing, my winter love, you know, it's like the adrenaline on the downhill. And yeah, so so that was tough. We came back and we were like, oh, let's go longer. We both liked marathons on the roads. My wife Sumner's really good on endurance and like I was just kind of getting more into it. And I'm like, that's, that's what we got to do next. So that's when we started working full time with Matt because we're like, well, we already know this guy who's been a hundred mile champion on the trails. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the guy to work that's with. That's the guy to know? learn from. So we basically told him, like, we want to run our first 50 mile. Like, again, trying to be a little strategic. We're like, we're not going to go to 100K or 100 mile. Let's start with a 50. I think we did a 50 mile with a 50K, you know, in the training plan built in to kind of. And what was that? What was stuff. your first 50 miler? Uh, the first 50 was run the rock over in bend. Oh, okay. So, yeah. uh, was that Al- Alpine running? I think so. Mm-hmm. Great, great event. Um, we did a 50 K also over in bend on the way to that, the flagline 50 K. Okay. And I think we both finished fourth. I think I was fourth and Sumner was third. So like it went pretty well, the first 50 K looking back now, it's funny. Cause I remember running some 10 minute miles near the end and thinking like, this is the end of me as a runner. Like <laughs> <laughs> nobody can see this. This is it. I, oh, if I can't like, go faster than ten, I ran like a ten forty. I'm now gonna. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna lay down on the trail. I can't go any quicker. You oh know? my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So I don't remember what I. I want to say four oh six or something was the total time. So like you know, it's still pretty good fifty. Yeah. Day, but it felt like it was like eternity. You know. So you get done with that, and you're feeling like it's just absolute death. Yeah, and a month later we got the the first fifty. I think it was about a month later. Oh geez. So Matt prepped us so well though. I think our peak weekend he had us do a back to back 30 20 run. So we did like oh, 30 smokes. on Saturday, 20 on Saturday, or 30 Saturday, 20 Sunday. And get you used to yeah. running on tired and legs. All, and those all the like all the training went well. He he had us dialed in. So we went to run the rock, and I think uh I think I was third. I might have been fourth again. I think I was third at on at that one. Um, but it, it went better. I still kind of bonked, still has some like nutrition problems, but mm. I ran like 740. Mid, mid to high 740 748 maybe okay and you're so, not you're at this point you've shifted to trails and you're not doing any marathon focused no okay no. i'm like never again i'll never do roads again at this point this really? is how, that's how i felt wow, okay. <laughs> it wasn't reality but that's how i felt yeah. you know i was just so excited about it and then at that first 50 sumner won i think by over an hour and set the course Holy record moly. Still stands today so just seeing how well she was doing made me even more excited because i was motivate like, oh, you something we knew together i mean she almost she was like 20 minutes behind me like it was like she wow was like, she's just eating up your yeah she was then. like fourth or fifth overall like you know so i'm like okay we can do this together because that's you know that's that was part of what made it so we moved out here together we're running trails together yeah. you know and yeah so so that was that and that was 2019 and then 2020 now i'm like all right next level up all these other huge goals and then no more running you know it's like covid hits all races are canceled so and what do you do like, at that point then? Is that just because I, I 
I'm going to kind of shift this a little bit, and I guess I'm going to lead you with this question because where I first started to see your name pop up is on Strava. Yeah. And I just started seeing you climbing up to the top of all these FKTs and taking all these segments. And I was like, who the hell is this guy who's just <laughs> fast as all get out taking all these? Yeah. So at what point, I mean, are you shifting there to where you're just, you're going to run locally and see what you can take or? Yeah. So 2020, I think there was two, maybe there's more than two, but in my mind, there was two ways of handling the pandemic. There was the dis- in running. I'm sure <laughs> I'm not only talking about running. There was the despair of all my races are canceled. Why am I doing this anymore? Mm-hmm. Or there was the other side, which thankfully was how I responded to it, which was, oh, I don't have any races to worry about. I can train like an idiot. Like, <laughs> And back when I started, as we covered, training like an idiot was what got me into trouble or, you know, at least stagnant. Right. But you're not thinking about it at that point. It's just I'm going to go out and no. get it done. But now I have, you know, I got a good like at least five, six years of really good training up to that point where I've been averaging, you know, a few thousand miles a year. So you got a good base Now I have a good base. I know how to do strength training. I know some of the stuff we just gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we were getting coached by Matt anymore, but we had just come through that period because with races canceled, we were like, ah, let's just stop getting coached and just kind of do our own thing. I feel like I kind of know a little bit more about the ultra stuff now and I know how to do track workouts. And so we're like, let's just kind of take off on our own um coaching was getting too expensive from everybody anyway yeah, yeah that's <laughs> so that fast. was that was a factor the financial side we're like you know with two people getting coached we're like all right let's let's just do it on our own and, and see what we can do so yeah covid hit and it was like all right i can try and run our miles a week and you know i'd done that once or twice before but always before an injury you know mm-hmm. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or blew up my training cycle so when 2020 happened i just started or you know spring spring of 2020 i just started running huge weeks so are you not even really focusing on training at that point it's just just going out and free running no i was focused on training i just didn't have a i didn't have a race so it was like my training structure was like as much as you 100 can take. miles a week with a, a speed workout on wednesday and a long or long workout saturday okay and doubles every other day and wow. as far as the horizon you know it's like as far as i can see i was like until races get back on the calendar that's what you're doing this is what we're gonna do we did a couple of virtual race series just threw them in as my workouts to you know give some some structure to the workouts but yeah it was just basically like let's just go hard every day and see how long i can keep this up so i went and uh, my good buddy sean olson which i know you know sean. oh yeah yeah, yeah he sean, shot me a message last night yeah, yep. yeah yeah so sean's like dude i want to run a green belt marathon let's just find a, a loop so we did a five mile loop in town and I, first I was like, I'll pace you. So we did a couple workouts. We did, this is three weeks before we decided to do it in spring of 2020 because there's no races. We're like, let's have some kind of race. So we pick a date like three weeks out. So we'd both been training a lot of miles and I'd been putting in these huge weeks and I'm like, I can run, I know I can just go run a, a road marathon and see what happens. So I was going to pace him and then I started feeling pretty fast and I was like, sorry, dude, I'm just going to do my own Got to see like, what happens. Yeah, so we, we got a little table set up as an aid station. We can pass every few miles and I'm like, I want to see what I can do. So, yeah, I went and ran like 234, just it felt felt casual. And I'm like, oh, OK, I could still got run some, some fitness road here. Base. Yeah, I could still do some roads again. So, yeah, that was that was kind of like the trigger to be like, all right, I don't have to do just trails. I still got a little speed. And then that was kind of what started me on this path of like I'd already tried to do the mountain champs in the past. And now I was trying to look at. You know, maybe maybe I could do a road ultra like because that hmm. sounds kind of crazy, too. And really the goal kind of at that point was where I started getting this seed in my head of like, I have to make a US team. That's like my goal. Like 
some people want to get sponsored. I'm like, I, I, I started started getting a different kind of career path at that point that I really loved. And I was like, I don't I don't want to stop doing that. Like I, I see the way pro runners struggle and I feel terrible for that industry and I want to do stuff to help them. Yeah. But I don't want to be a struggling pro runner. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, you're, and you're starting to hit this as you're rolling through 2020 and you're putting in all this volume. Yeah. It starts to trigger in your head. OK, this is where I think this focus is yeah, going to be for this me. This is my running goal. Okay. Like I want to wear the stars and stripes. Like, wow. I don't think I can get to the level at this point. This is what I'm telling myself. I'm like, I don't think I could even get to the level where I could be a sponsored runner. But like, I think there's enough teams out there. I can make one of them, you know, wow, <laughs> so okay. start getting that idea. Like, I don't even care what it is. So I start going back and forth like what? And that's when I really started to probably, like identify it. What am I best at? Right. Because now I've tried a bunch of stuff and the, the 50 mile didn't go great. It wasn't terrible, but I just I felt like I really struggled with nutrition on the longer efforts. And I'm mm-hmm. like, OK, so I started to solidify like I can go out and run like a mid 230s marathon it what it what feels like most weekends if i'm not tired so i'm like there's got to be some way that translates to one of these kind of teams that i'm trying to make so i started finding like the road 50k team I'm like okay. that's got to be my my goal so 2020 spring of 2021 i was like my first time trying to see like what i can do so like around around the beginning of 2021 i said i'm gonna go run weezer weezer river 50k okay yeah and i'm like i'm gonna go break three hours and i'm telling people that and in my own head i'm like telling myself because i'm like i don't that seems crazy i'd run like a, th- a 355 50k i did one on new year's day just by myself in the bike park or with some friends but not a race you know and i ran like 355 and i'm like i'm gonna run an hour quicker this is crazy but i'm like telling myself like you gotta break three if you want to make one of these 50 set K's. an audacious goal yeah. <laughs> and then go out and, and yeah yeah so i went from 2020 the year of huge miles and right and rolled into 2021 started running 100 mile weeks in training and my body's just holding up Wow. And I'm working remote. I work from home still to this day. So I'm able to get in a lunch run and after work run and get some strength training because I don't have to commute. And I'm like, this is this is set up pretty much in my favor to make this happen. So that started being the goal. Just like make a U.S. team. What's going to be the easy? I'm going to say easiest because they're all really hard. But what's what's my best shot? It's probably 50K because I really feel like I have that kind of dialed in. So I went to, to Weezer. I didn't break three, but I ran like 303 high. Okay. And I was like, wow, this is huge. Like, oh, yeah, that's a fast run. This this is what I want to do. And I finished just like tired, but thinking like, okay, I can do that again. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think what uh, I have a friend, Cameron Ulmer, and I think he had the course record for quite a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, I, I had it. I had firmly in my sights when I was that's doing what you're, Okay, yeah, you're yeah. chasing. So I ran that year with him, and uh, and I mean, he smoked all of us. I got second that year, and I think I was 345. And yeah. I got there, and I think Cameron had taken a nap at that point, <laughs> and, you know, made himself a meal and had his feet up. But yeah, that's you're hustling, man. That's, yeah. that's a fast yeah, I think run. It was like 310, 311 was his time, and no one had, no one had run really close to that since then. oh no but i'm like this is a perfect course on a downhill You're oh like, yeah this is you can fly if you got it's the legs better than pavement if you got and that was i had just bought a pair of the Saucony endorphin pros so those are my first super shoes i wouldn't okay. even call them super shoes nowadays compared to what we what we have yeah, on our feet now it, yeah. but but yeah i had just put those on and it was like ah, i can spring up to the moon you know so yeah that was that was that was what happened 2021 went after that time at weezer got that and then i was like Okay, I can make one of these teams. So how does that work then? So if you're you're looking to make one of these teams, do you you're looking and you're finding these different ones? Do you send somebody an email and have to kind of like you're trying to apply for a job and say, here's my, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you send the resume. Here's what I've done. Um, the 50k has a championship, so there's some of them are just based on resume. Okay. 
nowadays it's getting a little more organized and i'd say pretty much all of them you have a championship qualifying race okay where you go just kind of like with you know with our with our track trials like you know there's it's like a big deal but it's not as big a deal in, in trail but it's getting you know it's getting closer every year so i think back in 2021 the uh 50k was back in new york on the east coast and i was like i'm not gonna go do that like <laughs> i really wanted to go try and make the team but it's like march literally i was gonna ask what coast. time of year and i'm thinking oh, yeah i want to go run through sleet on yeah. literally on the coast no thank no you. thanks yeah. i'd rather run in the snow and in, you know here than try and do that yeah so i didn't i didn't go after it but that was kind of like this is probably what i'll do next year in like 2022 and then 20 what I don't know what changed my mind, but going into 2022, I was like, you know what? I think I'll have a better shot if I go even further because people have to be really stupid to do 100K on pavement. So I was like, I'll try and get the 100K team. Having never run over 50 miles, even on trails. Wow. <laughs> I went to the, the 100K championships, which is a championship race, and the weather just went crazy terrible. It was like freezing cold leading up to it. The day of the race... It ended up getting warm and humid and windy. It's in Wisconsin. On oh, my a 10, gosh. 10K loop. And so, this is your first 100K on top yeah. of that? <laughs> oh, jeez. I go out. We run like, oh, I don't remember what time we actually ran through the marathon. We were running about 6.15 pace through the first marathon. Holy smokes. And we were just cruising. I was me yeah. and one other guy. And he had already, he was the 100K or 50K defending champion. So, like, he'd been done, done, done more of these road, you know, road ultras. And I'm running with him and we're like talking. I mean, we felt good. We didn't feel like we we're going too hard. But then the wind and the humidity started to hit. And it starts to like, sap your energy. Yeah, coming from here. I mean, I grew up in the East Coast humidity, but I'd been away for long enough that uh, my body didn't know what it was doing. Yeah. So I finished about 40 miles and I just like I was in the lead at that point by like a couple of minutes. Oh, and really? I came through the start finish line on the on that loop. And I just like I had a buddy who lived lives in Madison, Wisconsin, who I was staying with. And I walked over to him like off the course. And he's like, do you need a water? Do you need anything? He's like trying to help me. And I'm like, no, I'm done. I need to sit he's down. Like, dude, you look you look OK. And like people from the race are like, keep going, keep going. I'm like, no, I know in my head, like I've had tunnel vision for the last three miles. Like there's no point in me You're going out there, there and anymore. having someone give me a ride back. Like yeah. that's just not safe for other people. Like, I mean, it's in, in a town. It's not like it's in the trails, but I'm like. I know I'm about to pass out. Like I have heat stroke. Like, oh man. <laughs> well, at least you were that aware. And it's still your patience through the entirety of even moving into the running and what you've done to be thoughtful in your approach to it and not just going out and going crazy. It It's pretty impressive. It, not a lot of people have that, that maturity and sense of, you know, <laughs> self to be able to say, okay, I could just pummel myself into the yeah. ground or I could except the fact I'm not at a good place and I know it yeah. and I want to live to run another day. Yeah. Well, to me, the goals are what drive me. Mm, yeah. And it's like, you know, it bugs me when people drop out just because they're not going to hit the goal in the right, you know, in the wrong context. Like if you are wearing your country's, you know, Jersey, you don't drop out like that's yeah. different, you know, to me. But when it's something like that, where you're trying to qualify, you're like, well, I'm just going to get hurt or yeah. worse, you know, like what's the point, you know? So I think with the goal driven mindset, that's what's kind of, yeah. So it's not that I'm even trying to think of being smart. It's just kind of thinking like. How is this going to serve the longer term yeah, goal? Yeah. And I do have process goals. You know, I love, I know everybody loves to have process goals. Don't have outcome based goals. 
but when you're in a championship race, it's an outcome-based goal. Yeah, it, it for just sure. is, you know, like, and sometimes if it's your first time, there is a process. I, you know, I made it 40 miles. I did some great training leading up to it. I did a, you know, run from Eagle out to Lucky Peak and back on the green. I was going to ask you know, about so that. Like, I saw that, that was a, uh, a green belt FKT from I what I understand. I just did that the other day again. Yeah, yeah. But I did it, I did it the first time back in, in 2021 or 2022. So yeah, I knew what I was I was in for, but yeah, I went out Christmas Eve and, and did it this year. Knocked the, it out again, huh? The official FKT on the on the Boise Green Belt. So that's funny. <laughs> so this last race, then it didn't go like you planned. That was 2022. Yeah, so I dropped out, but you know, afterwards, I, it was it was such a learning experience, like as far as process goals go, that I did feel pretty happy afterwards because mm. you know I went in like this is kind of crazy to try and make this team having never run that far it's kind of a shame for folks who know what they're doing if I end up somehow beating them, you know? So or it's just a testament to your ability to focus and yeah. like you say, go after that goal. Yeah. So then I, I came back and was like, all right, let's, let's pivot to new goals. And, and that's when I kind of went back to what I'd started already, what I already knew from 2021 was just like the marathon to 50 K distance is like, I just love that. That's distance. your sweet spot. Like, it's not even the distance, it's the time is what I realized. It's like three to four hours of pushing really hard. Mm-hmm. Just hits, it just like hits home. That's what I love. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. So coming into like 2020, late 2022, 2023, I still had every intent of doing it on the roads because I just felt like. That's I just can, where you like to be. Yeah, I can I, I can keep the pace better. I was doing almost all my easy runs on the trails, you know, every, every other run. But my long workouts, I would just do on the green belt. And I'm like. I just feel like that's my best shot at this because the, you know, I think there's a certain mindset on the roads where it is kind of monotonous. It's kind of boring. It's not the scenery. And I feel like I can zone out pretty well. So I'm like, if I can zone out and lock in at like 615s, I yeah. feel like there's a smaller group of people doing that than there are going after the world champs trail team. Yes. So I'm like, this is my, this is my It's jam. finding your niche. You found yeah. your sweet spot. Yeah. And you... Like obviously it sounds like you found some really good success at it as you were moving yeah. yourself forward. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I, I went into 2023 and that was my whole goal last year was like, I'm getting on the 50 K team. Now it felt like a realistic goal. Like, I feel like I have a you really knew good you shot. Could. Like I knew I can do this. Yeah. Um, I knew where the rate, like I already looked at the world champs course. Like I'm like, okay, I'm not even on the team, but I'm playing it. Like, Is that surreal to you that? to say that out loud? I'm looking at the world's champ. Oh, course. it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Every time I think about something like a goal like that, I think back to when I started running, you know, right. And this co- whole conversation, it just like, it's like that whole, co- our whole conversation replays in my mind. Like, dude, you were just tinkering on your car a decade ago. What? You didn't even care about sports. Like, <laughs> but it just goes to show that, you know, with intentionality in, Anybody can change at any time as long as they're willing to put in the work. And it seems like that's exactly what has led to your success is you went into it and you've consistently put in the work and learned to continue to build and grow and develop your skills and your knowledge to where it didn't just happen overnight. No, it's I mean, consistency is running. That's it. That's like if you had to have one word on how to it's consistency. And then if you had to have like three, it's consistency, slow. Uh, you know, slow mostly and then yeah. fast. So it's like consistent, slow, and then fast. Yeah. <laughs> Which I still think, even myself, so many people struggle with that yeah. as you go out and it has to be a time trial every single time yeah. you step out yeah. the door. And that's why I know I did it. You know, yeah. I, I did it and I didn't get better every time I've done that. And even now it's like the temptation, that cycle. It's right? there. It, uh, for some people, it's not. I count those people really lucky who can just enjoy going out. I'm that maybe maybe the minority and in my experience the minority who wishes i could just work out every day like Mm. i feel fun i feel like i'm having fun and i feel happy when i'm just 
hurting. So I'm the same way. And I was actually going to ask you kind of in tying into that, how do you keep your running fun and interesting? Yeah. So I, I try to go really hard on the hard days and I daydream about those days mm-hmm. and I squeeze in a lot of easy miles in between that most of the time I got to go look, uh, link up with Sean because he lives a couple miles away to, you know, keep me, <laughs> keep me occupied. From, I'm just so bored. Going too crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm just doing loops in my neighborhood with the boys in the stroller. And I'm like, sounds perfect. I'll be over in it. I'll be there over in 20 minutes. Like, it's like good to have yeah. a partner like that to yeah. run with. Yeah. 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 And we have a lot of them with the Billies and then I'll run with Sumner and, you know, my wife and the dogs too. And that's awesome. But yeah, it's just, yeah, that's how I do it is, is I'm, I'm that, that person that does not have much fun on those easy runs and you know you're, it's you're for that to time say, to really go know, out and get it yeah. yeah 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 i just wait for the the times when i can go hammer so then yeah 20 2023 to keep with like the, the timeline i guess that was kind of the name of the game was like let's structure my year around things when i can go really put myself in the hurt locker because that's a lot more fun and then if i have those i can think about doing those when i'm on the easy runs if i'm out by myself on an easy run there you go. i'll just basically spend the whole run daydreaming about the upcoming hard run the upcoming hard <laughs> run. <laughs> that's funny whether it's a workout or a race or yeah. so you're coming into 2023 and you're you're you know, dialing in your workouts and so how does 2023 go yeah, so it started out not not how I thought or how I wanted. I went down in 2023, the 50K team, there was like, I think half the spots were going to be, or, or the, the first two spots would be from the U.S. Champs, which is back on the East Coast again in March. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I, I hate flying that direction anyway. And then I'm just like, the weather is going to be terrible. But there was a couple spots from that they would take off of a resume. And I'm like, okay, I've had... In 2021, that 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 Weezer time was the fast was I think the eighth fastest 50k in North America for that year and the oh, fastest wow. on trails. So I'm it's like, got if you I on the radar. fastest trail time in the year from mm-hmm. North America, like that's got to help my resume. Yeah, and that was still less than 12 months before. So I'm like, okay, I got a strong resume. I just need the qualifying. You have to have a sub three 50k. So I'm like, all right. So I went and did this um, Jed Smith 50k down in Sacramento, which is just a 5k loop. It's like a brutal 5k loop. You do it 10 times on the, on the, you know, American river or Sacramento river, whatever it is down there. And I went and honestly overconfident looking back. Cause I'm like, I've run 303 on, on gravel. I can go run some three. This is going to happen. You know, I still hadn't run a 230 marathon at the point at that point, which was basically you have to run a sub 230 marathon en route to get a sub three hour 50k. And I'm thinking in my head, I can do this. Like it just haven't quite put those together yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've never done it before, but I know I can do it, you know, and and um, yeah, sometimes ignorance is bliss. You know, a lot of times, you know, you just go into something with an idea and if you don't know it any is. better, you're going to push yourself till you get there. Yeah. And that's worked a lot, especially in the early days of my running, you know. <laughs> so I, I went down in 2023 to do that. I ended up running 306. I wore those Nike Alpha Flies. And okay. I, I, it took me like nine months to have my right hamstring fully recovered. They, they just really? don't work for me. Like I just couldn't. I, they did something halfway through, and I think it could have been the, the, the race, too. It was supposed to in my in my course research. It was like a 5K paved loop. In reality, it was like on a bike path on one side. On the other side, it was on river level. So every 5K loop, you'd have two sets of like stair steepness little hills for like a quarter mile or a a tenth of a mile. Oh, geez. So you're like wearing those shoes. Yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting. And then, yeah, combined with not having the right footwear, because on the other side, we're at river level on like probably two miles total of each or 
yeah, not two miles of each loop, half of each loop. So like a mile and a half on each 5K loop had like gravel and dirt and some snow. And I'm wearing alpha flies. I'm like, yeah, from what I understand yeah. with those shoes, you have to be going straight <laughs> yeah, and it's got to yeah, be yeah. flat. Yeah, if you can have a stride like Kipchoge, they work great. Yeah. If you run like me, they don't work. You know, So yeah, yeah, flailing through the snow. So it went, it, yeah, it went terrible. And that was really my last shot. I'm like, okay, there was some track. 50k i could do back on the east coast you know but that was like i put all my eggs into having the the resume Mm -hmm. so it just didn't work out and i was like all right well i'm not gonna make that team but i'm not gonna waste all year there's other there's other teams out there and then my good friend jackson brill of course being an absolutely amazing trail runner he's been like he and everyone else i know around here are now all trail runners and they're all like dude get back on the trails anyway like running is stupid like why would you want to go run a 50k running loops on pavement and i'm like yeah you know guys i kind of want to go run a 50k <laughs> loop on pavement yeah. but well no i like they won me over they like won me back over and i'm like it has been a couple it been at that point over two years since i'd really tried to run trails since that 50k and or 50 mile in 2019 so i was like all right enough times passed i forgot how hard run super far is maybe i'll try it again so then in in 2023 with like a two-month build-up i did the um the trail marathon champs also on the east coast I how'd that like, go it it went the race went pretty terrible but my training really really was like a huge step up so mm. i think we'll call it a net win yeah but it made me the race went so terrible that i i came home and said i'm not gonna compete anymore for running like okay <laughs> i said i'm retired from competing even though you know when you don't do it full time it's not really retired relative but, yeah, yeah. But yeah. like I was like, I have no no desire to stop training and doing what mm-hmm. I kind of what I did in 2020 was just awesome. Like I had so much fun running really hard, getting a lot out of myself. And that was fulfilling enough. And I came home with another terrible race. Like at the the Sacramento race wasn't terrible. It just, you know, stuff outside of my control happened and yeah. it didn't go well result wise. But the the New York Marathon, I had put in some like the biggest vert months I'd ever done. I just felt like an animal. It was like, okay, I'm, I should be on trails this whole time. Like I'm going to go make this team. And I felt really confident again, even though only the top two make the team. And there's like all these, you know, (laughs) really, really solid competition there. So yeah, I I finished like 13th. So results wise, it wasn't terrible, but I just ran out of water like four times. I was struggling. Mm. It was like almost five hours. And I'm thinking in my head, like it's going to be three and a half hours. And yeah. So yeah, that, that one pretty bad. I called Sumner afterwards, called my wife afterwards. And I'm just like, I'm gone for four days. I have to fly to the East coast. And I'm like, I love running every day and yeah. training hard. Yeah. I don't need this to make it fun. Yeah. And I, I felt genuine. I was telling everybody, I was like, I'm done. Like I'm done trying to like, I've tried for like two years to make one of these teams ever since stuff picked up after COVID. Mm-hmm. And like I'm I'm not done because I'm mad or bitter because I had a bad race. Like right. I had a bad race, but like your perspective's starting perspective to shift a little bit. Starting to shift, yeah. Where yeah. I'm going, like I also this is like this heartbreak, right? When you train hard for a race and it goes terrible, it doesn't matter what your goal was. Anytime right. you miss one of those goals after months of work put in, it's like why am I going through this emotional roller coaster? When I have a lot of fun, if I just push hard every week. Yeah. And if know? I don't tie my <laughs> tie the outcome uh, tie yeah, it to the yeah. outcome of that race, that's interesting. So I did a, a similar thing. I, I wasn't I've never been as fast as that. I, my best marathon was just over three hours. I mean, I don't have the, the, the speed that you did, but the same thing competitive for over a decade. And it got to a point where I started looking at the competitive landscape. And it was kind of as you're saying, 
you're spending so much effort in running 100 mile, 90, 100 mile weeks with all the vert and you're doing all these things and then you're going and you're go, getting ready to go and participate in these races to where it's, I don't want to say that you lose the enjoyment of running, but it's like, I just really like to go and do the thing for fun. You know, even if it's yeah. in some sort of a training capacity, you're yeah. still, you know, changing up your workouts yeah. and all that. The same thing. I don't want to taper. I don't want to take yeah. my yeah. time off to it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you just want to go out and do that. Yeah. That's and interesting. Like, you're hitting that too. Yeah. I'm like, I can't run this big training week if I'm just, if I just did a hard race that killed me. Yeah. Ah, I don't want to recover. I want to just run hard every and week. Keep going. You know? Yeah, like and not do what I was doing before. I was being dumb running hard every day. Yeah. But like but by hard every week, I mean like a structured training. Yeah, a structured. Week. Yeah, yeah. So what does that look like now? So you're stepping back from the competitive landscape and I mean you're still Yeah, so I I come home from that that New York race, the the Brickneck Trail Marathon. I come home and you know, I'm going through this realization of like I don't need competition to fulfill me, having that perspective shift. And I, you know, I did take some downhang because that race was brutal and, you know, just New York City afterwards walking around for hours and yeah, time on feet. So I come home and take like a full down week, which I'd never do. And I just mentally, emotionally, physically just needed a break. Mm-hmm. I start like for once slowly easing back into just doing some easy runs. And I'm running with Sean Olson and he's like, hey, man, I saw them posting like this North, North and Central American Trail Championships team. It's the whole team is built on resume. It's there's no qualifying races because it's hmm. like, you know, it's the first time they're doing a full trail. It's usually the the NACAC, um, NACAC Mountain Championships. But now they finally added like a long distance trail race. So it's like it's a whole new new branded thing. It's like a new new, you know, continental championship. So he's like, yeah, they're asking for resumes. Like I saw some Instagram post about it. And he tells me that he's like, you should at least apply. And I'm like, no, man, like I'm done. I just said I'm done from doing these like. I don't need another heartbreak. You know? But like, you're thinking about it. Yeah, no, I, I did dismiss. I, I will say for the first few, I dismissed it. I was like, cool. Thanks, Sean. Sean is like the ultimate cheerleader. For oh, absolutely. He's Love great at it, right? And yeah. he's like, dude, you got to, You got to, You got to. And I'm like, no. So it took like a week. And then he finally wore me down. And I was like, yeah, I guess there isn't any heartbreak. I send him my resume. And if I never hear back, I never hear back. Right. Like, I've gotten to know a lot of the folks on like the, 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 the USATF trail and, and mountain committees and stuff. And I'm like. Yeah, like see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. So I sent it in, did have that initial like, hey, this could work. That could be fun. Yeah, and then for after like a week, I was like, I'll probably won't even hear back. And I genuinely just forgot about it. I was like, that was cool. I, I sent my resume. It was fun going through the resume process and like really listing my races. You know, it's fun to do that and like go back and look yeah, at just go back what you've and done. like some of those had gone pretty bad lately, but had good learning experiences. I still mm. had that great, you know, the Weezer went well. And I'm like, oh, okay, like my net trend is still up. This is cool. We'll see what happens. And it did make me think maybe I will race again, but I'm not traveling. Like I'm still like not I'm be not, more selective and yeah, yeah. For, for fun. And and Sumner was getting back in the trail. She'd been doing just indoor soccer and she's like, hey, maybe next year we can do some more like travel to go some of these mm. really cool scenic races. And I'm like, yeah, let's just run them together. Like I'll train hard, but then we can just run, you know, run our own race and we can yeah. both just have fun. And OK, that's cool. Good. We got a plan. It's all figured out. And then like, you know, three weeks, a month later, they're like. Yeah, you were well. You were our first pick for the trail team. Like, you want to go do this? You want to go? You want to go wear the you know, right the, back in USA it. jersey that you've been trying to wear for like five years at this point? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so yeah, quick tidbit that relates to that. I think right after I found out I made the team, I did a workout that weekend with our other good friend Josh McAdams, who is a 08 Olympian. You know, just you know, casually steeplechase Olympian, right? And former multiple U.S. champion. He runs with the Billies pretty frequently and I'm on a run with him and he's like, dude, now that you made this team, 
he's like, I know it wasn't the team you wanted. It's, you know, it's the NACAC team. It's not the world team. But he's like, you're going to be all in on making that world team again. And I'm like, no, 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 Josh. No, no, no. He's like, you go do this race. You know, you're coming from you're an Olympian. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He's like, you're going to get the bug back. So sure enough, I went and did the the NACAC race in uh, September 23. Did pretty well. I was fourth. And our other runner was second and our other two runners were second and fifth. So we got the team, got the team gold. He's like, okay, not only did I get to wear the USA, like, well, yeah, it wasn't a world champs race. It's just, you know, it's just knack, which is like semantics. You're wearing, you're wearing, wearing the colors for, for the States and you've got a gold medal. That's top of the world right there. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And the race went for beyond that too. It wasn't like I just, I just helped. Like I was in top i was in second or third for almost the entire race too Holy like smokes. and i felt really really strong so and this course it. was brutal it's just just shy of 50k distance and it had like eight thousand feet of vert and Holy the biggest smokes. hill was like 400 feet of gain so it was just up and down up and down this river canyon just like hot it was like 80 by the time we finished not humid but just like you know like kind of our our climate but just really hot that day and we're just like, yeah, I, and I just felt super strong all day. So nice. Like, okay, now I've Hurt run so like, good. Now I've run that like 50. It was the exact opposite of what happened in New York at the beginning of the year on a course with almost the same amount, a little a little less vert because it was the same amount over 50K and not over a marathon. But it was like the same time that it took me to run the marathon. And everything was, just and came just together. clicked. Yeah. And the belief was kind of back because I think I think that really shot my belief in, in that that marathon. And Got your confidence like, back. Yeah. So what do you do now? So now 2025 is the next Worlds, and there's there was no stopping the train. It's going to keep after And there's no it. more of these road ultras. After it was so funny, the training for that race, like I said, it, the race ended up going terrible. Came back like, I don't even want to compete anymore, but I, I did only want to run trails after that. Like, I went to that New York race, even though the race went bad, the training for it, like, I just started getting obsessed with, like, the steep up and down. Mm-hmm. How much vert can I get? I've never tracked my, in, my weekly vert. Like, I don't care. I, well, I was into road racing for a while and it was like, you don't want any vert. Like you right. want to find a flat course, like, you know, you get that leg turnover. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go fast, you know? And then it was like, how many, how many feet of vert can I get a week? How many feet can I get in a run? How many can I, you know? So that was, that's the full goal. 2024, get back to 50 mile race, learn how to kind of master the nutrition side. Cause I still feel like that's my, my weakness there. Mm. Um, but yeah, just, just stack and up. then 2025. That, yeah, go after that world team again. It's still that's, that's awesome. The race is back on for the. <laughs> I got the USA jersey in the closet. Now I want. Now I want to be on the world stage. You know, so that's awesome. Like, well, nothing but uh, but wishing you good luck. You know, on nice, that. And I'm nice, sure if you yeah. continue like you have been with your your running and and your training efforts, uh, I can only imagine the sky's yeah. going to be the limit we got for the, you. We got the uh, ecosystem in place now. I think right. So yeah. it's like. We have our other good friend, Megan Lacey, who's been he's qualified for the world team. She was on that NACAC team that I was on co-race director with us up at the Boise Front Trail Run. So we train frequently with her and it's like, OK, we, we have similar goals and it doesn't you know, that helps the belief, too, when you're like, well, I know people that are doing this. And yeah. We run together often like we're at the same level. That's I could do that. Like and then Jackson at that race, Jackson was second and qualified and went to the world. You know, he went That's to the world. That's crazy. And, I mean, he kicked my butt in that day, and and he'll tell you every day we've raced. I've definitely quote unquote beat him in workouts, but he always has my number in a race. But it's not far, you know, it's not far away, right? It's close enough where I'm like, he can do it, I can do it. Like, 
why not? You know, so he's just he's yeah. like the guy that does really good on the test every time. And just when it comes test time, he's he's acing it. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. I've been kind of diving deeper into the Boise Trail Runners and what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And as it's growing and developing and seeing more and more people come to the area and become more involved in the scene. It is amazing. The runners that we have here, the caliber of the athletes and not just runners, the caliber of the athletes that we have here that people just don't know. You don't have the exposure to. It is awesome to see so much focus and talent. Yeah. Really finally starting to get its, its due around here. And uh, you're obviously a a contributing factor to that. Like I said, I initially saw your name popping up on Strava, like crazy (laughs) taking all these FKTs and, uh, it's awesome to get to know a little bit more about your story. Yeah. And uh, I, I do have a few more questions here. Um, we've been going for a while, and I appreciate you taking the time. But uh, I want to have an opportunity to let you speak about the Boise Front Races, something that you've been involved with now for a few years. You mentioned um, one of the partners in that. Can you tell me a little bit about, about yeah. that race? Yeah, so the, the YMCA had hosted the race for about eight years or so. I think it's been going on for over a decade total. Um we're not sure exactly the first year. I think we've heard conflicting stories, but we're going to say this will be the 11th year. Okay. And for most of that time, the YMCA had been taking taking control of the race. And then two years ago, due to a couple factors, they just they just no longer could put the race on. So they were looking for someone to kind of become the new caretakers. They're like, this is a great event. People love it. But we just, you know, we're not up to it anymore. So our, our good friends, Megan Lacey and... and um, uh, Alex Mimlis had kind of been part of the group and then another friend, Sheehan, had kind of joined with them. So they had a team already. And then being good friends with all of them, I was like, hey, guys, I, I heard you took on this race and I'd love to help any way I can. Just come up and volunteer. I already signed up like I'd, I'd never <laughs> run it before. be there anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd never actually run it. But I was like, hey, I've always heard it's a good, good, you know, good run up at Bogues Basin in, in August. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll come up and help. And then. OK, so it's in August. Then. Yeah, it's in August. Yep. 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 Uh, so they were like you know, you can volunteer day of, or you could, you could just be one of the other race directors here. You know, they're like, it's all of our first time. So that, that first year I was like, yeah, it's a learning opportunity for everybody. Exactly. And we, and you know, I think we're, we're really fortunate that all of us have kind of similar ideas where we're just, we love those learning things. Like, like the, you know, the trajectory of talking about the running, the passions, like our whole race director team is the same way where we're like, yeah, we've never directed a race. Maybe we should do a couple more. All right. How big can we grow? Can we host Mountain Champ? You know, we're like, we're all schemers. How far we, can it go? Yeah, how far can it go? And how how big and how positive can we impact the community? It was really That's awesome. the mission behind it. And I'm like, this is a y, former YMCA race. So it's all about community anyway. Absolutely. But let's put a little bit more, you know, Megan and I've done a lot of these Mountain Champs. Like we've been to some of these like Cirque series, some of these other bigger events. They're like, can we polish it up and brand it into like incorporate some of those elements into yeah it. make it a little more professional it's not just professional on like the elite side but like a professional feeling event for the every participant to come up there and feel like you're oh, part of something i'm big. part of something yeah. yeah so yeah we took it on two years ago and then this past 2023 was our was our second year so now we're going into year three that's awesome we went from uh 200 entrants the first year that's what the y had had as a cap and they hadn't been reaching it. That was part of the reason, too, is it was kind of dwindling and dying off. I think they had maybe over just over 100 mm. the last year they hosted it. So um, our first year, 2022, we had uh, sold out at 200. And we were like, OK, this is good. And then last year, we we're like, maybe we can bump it up to like 300, sold that out and then some. Holy <laughs> so smokes. Now we're like, do we do five? five? Like, where's the where's Sky's the limit? limit. And the coolest thing has been it's been some repeats, but mostly new new participants and mostly mm-hmm. first time trail runners. We have two races. I'll give the full deets since we've been talking about it. It's the yeah. first Saturday in August. That's, okay. that's our race date. 
I think this year that makes it the fourth, but don't quote me on that. We're looking at a lot of first time runners. We have a five mile race and a 10 mile, the 10 mile. If you are a first time runner, it's a hard race. Like the five mile is a loop on Nordic trails. It has five or 600 feet of elevation gain. You know, it's, it's a challenge. You got to work at it. Especially in August. Yeah. The 10 mile, we start a little earlier. So it's usually, we've been lucky so far, pretty good weather starting at 8 a.m. But it's got 2,200 feet of gain. Oh, wow. And most of that's in like a two and a half mile stretch. So you start on the Nordic trails and then you go up from the lowest point on the backside of Bogus right up to the summit, tag the summit and come back down to the Nordic Lodge. So nice. it's, it's uh, it's you're working at it. Yeah. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. Yeah. That's so. awesome. So the first Saturday of August. Yeah. Is there a website for it or anything yeah. like that? Uh, Boise Trail Run.com. Okay. Yeah. Boise Trail Run.com. Nice, nice, simple, yep, simple branding there. So yeah, that's, that'll be our third year this year and maybe yeah maybe more people but um we've started changing some stuff with it we were we've you know like i mentioned we've kind of flirted with the idea of like oh we could host a mountain champs um we're not going to host that this year and then next year the course will have to kind of replicate the world course so Mm. our race won't work we don't have three thousand feet of vertical on technical rocks at bogus turns out yeah yeah kind of a limiting factor which you still get a good run up there but not quite a good run i mean thankfully for the rest of the year we don't want that right (laughs) we want runnable trails most of the time so so yeah, we're the we're not gonna do that for now, but we did register on a couple of the bigger like what do you call it? registered associate races. So we're kind of trying to get the name out there and you know build it into you know something like that See that what can, it can be turn great into. for the locals and great for first time runners because I think that's where a lot of our you know passions and where our interests yeah. lie. But we still like competing. Some of us at that at that higher for level. For sure. We like we want to bring those. Still want to have that yeah. opportunity. Yeah, build it up into something where there can be prize money and elites can come yeah. in. And we got those condos right at Bogus. Like, yeah, we could put some people up. Boise is a perfect place to host something like that. The community is building and more attention's coming. It's only a matter of time until it does. So it sounds yeah. like you're poised, you know, yeah, working hard. Yeah, hopefully it'll be to... us that bring it in first. And if not, we'll support whoever does. But yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely needs to happen in Boise. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the setting, we've been to so many of these races that are in just like middle of nowhere, which is beautiful. But they don't have the infrastructure. You can't find a place to stay. You're like, I've done Mountain Champs races where I've slept in a tent the night before because there was the only place to sleep. And that doesn't help your race. No. And we were like, we got condos on site. We got a whole town full of hotels. I mean, Boise is a major city. Like, you and it's a huge direct. running community a huge to support it. Community yeah. 300 plus miles of trails to run on, you know, yeah. most of the year. So, yeah, that's we, we got to make that happen. For yeah, sure. that's awesome. And yeah. one of the things that the, a theme that I keep hearing come back, it's community efforts. You know, right. you're doing your hard workouts and you're getting in and getting training by yourself. But in all these different stories that you've been talking about is you're connecting with other people and you're working out together or working on these projects together. And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. No. You have multiple people with multiple strengths coming together to make these things happen. And not only is it better for you, but it's better for the whole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm rocking a free trail hat right now. And Dylan Bowman, I, I his, noticed his that little, his little thing is what free trail running will save the world or something. And yeah, I may not agree that trail running is the only thing that's going to save the world, but I, I, I do think it can improve the world for sure. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what's kind of made me okay. be more into the trail side, too. You know, I'm still a, a diehard track and field fan at this point right yeah. so i'm checking every weekend the flow track what were the race results you know sidious mag and all these other running related things i'm like i'm all in on it like, total inside it's fun baseball to watch. with track and field but when it comes to where i spend my time it's like the trails are where it's at the yeah. community side of it is just like it really you really can't can improve people it, yeah exactly and it's you can't really explain it until you've experienced it you know going to these races and yeah. for me i came from the trail world mine was ultra ultras and now i'm kind of moving more towards 
learning more about the track side of things. There's so much to it and so many great things that can come out of it, whether it's road, trail, whatever, just getting outside and getting your body moving. Yeah, yeah. it's so healthy. And like we've seen coming through the pandemic, the mental health crisis. Oh, and, yeah. And so one of our initiatives with Boys Different 2 is to get more youth on trails. Yes. And like offer discounts and incentives for that because it's like, man, if I was in high school and struggling with these things. Yes. And I had this outlet and the not just the outlet, but the actual true, like genuine connections you make. Because mm-hmm. that's the other thing. When you're running side by side with somebody, you're not facing them. Yeah, the deep stuff comes out, right? Like the conversations go places they probably wouldn't go if you were sitting there having a coffee, right? There's nothing like like a a conversation on the trail for sure. All those reasons and more, we're like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta just just push the sport because it's super healthy in so many ways. Yeah, I agree with you 100. We got to get the kids while you know while we can and and give them a path to potentially something that can completely change our life. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's yeah. what's so great about it is the the easy runs, meeting my wife, trying to go after US teams. Each one of you know any one of those elements that I really think running has brought me. Like obviously yeah. my wife's the most important part of that, but I'm not going to say that going after a US championship trying to compete was any better than the easy runs on the trails. Yeah. Know, it's like, yeah, when you love it, it's amazing yeah. how running just weaves its way into into everything. It just becomes it part of your identity and your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's, yeah, it's something definitely want to pass on to other people. And if it's just getting them out there for the first run, it's awesome. I've seen so many starting new groups pop up. Um, Alex and Megan have done, give them another plug because they've done a great job with Fleet Feet since they took mm, it over and mm-hmm. in there and starting new trail groups and new social groups and just a lot of stuff targeted to getting people out there for the first time. Yeah. Because like you said, it's not, it's not something you can really explain. You just have to start doing it and see the long-term benefit once you actually commit yourself to it for yeah. a period of time. Yeah, and, and if you're trying to trying it by going and, and running a few miles on the treadmill in the winter on the gym, it's probably not going to translate. Yeah, not, not so going to last. anything we can do to get people outside, you know, especially on the trails. Yeah. yeah. Even just whatever the day gets. We, have, we had some snow out there, so going out and stomping in the snow, yeah. just getting outside and breathing the air. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dan, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking all this time. I'm going to give you two quick questions to wrap this thing up. And uh, this one can be a little bit of a contentious topic, but uh, I'm curious, what shoes do you run in? You, you mentioned Born to Run, and there's the Minimalist and Maximalist and Heel Drop or your Zero Drop. Yeah. What do you run in? Uh, well, I'll say, first of all, I'm not brand loyal. Okay. Uh, just uh, anytime I get a chance to talk about shoes, I make sure I say that because I'd love to be brand loyal. So, you know, <laughs> just haven't quite got there yet. Just haven't got quite got enough free gear. Gotcha. So, <laughs> I got a good buddy that works at on and he sent me some shoes now and then. And I am a big fan of their newer trail shoes. So I've been wearing I've, I've worn on for most of the races over the last year. OK, um, but most of my daily trainings in Nikes, I feel like their foam is is kind of hard to beat. So when it comes to workouts and stuff. So you run in the wild horse then or you run in the Terra Oh, okay. Zagama okay. for most of my runs. That's been my, yeah, my kind of my shoe of the year for the past year. I haven't then, ran in that one yet. I ran the Terra Kiger for pretty exclusively for about a year, year and a half, and absolutely love that one. Yeah, it's it's similar, similar geometry, like or similar feel underfoot, I should say, the way it the way it works, but it's just a pile of their super foam. So okay. it's like so it's a still fairly tall stack height yeah, shoe. Yeah, yeah. I mean I got some on right now. They're oh, that's like, these. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're Those kind are of fancy. A beast. Yeah. But they're yeah, they they I don't know, they overmade them or something, so they were cheap on running warehouse, so you can pick them up for like eighty bucks. So I've been running I'm a, I've been running a lot in these. I'm a sale guy too. I'll, I'll look for last year's models. Yeah. Shoes aren't cheap anymore. 150, 200 no. bucks, man. That stuff adds up. No, no, yeah. no, no. So I'll, yeah, that's why I said I'm not brand loyal. If I can get them free or cheap, that's what I go in. But 
as for, to, your, to the first part of the question, maximalist. Like, okay. even when I was reading Born to Run, I was like, that sounds dumb. Yeah, <laughs> so well, no, it's interesting because no, most people go straight to the five yeah, fingers, no, start getting no, injuries. and uh, Yeah, no offense to people who still make it work, but <laughs> I feel like when you're doing heavy miles and, and when you do a lot of pavement too, yeah, you know, I, I go back to another favorite Ryan Hall quote when he was, someone was asking about shoes during his, you know, heyday, and he was like, I just call Asics and tell them to send me whatever their thickest shoe is. And then I do all my miles on dirt. Interesting. Like, wow. Okay. This is a guy who's the fastest marathoner we have at the time. And he does like two workouts of buildup on the pavement and everything else is in super chunky trainers on dirt. It's just laissez-faire. Like, just send me whatever you got. Yeah. Send me whatever you got as long as it's real fat. Interesting. <laughs> so that was, that was like an early, early insight. And I've tried to do the same. Like, give me, give me those thick shoes. And now everything's super fat, but lightweight. So it's like the best of Get both worlds. Get the best worlds. of both worlds for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So mantra or a slogan would you put on a running shirt to make it just for you <laughs> uh i mean it's gonna sound so cheesy but i think what i had for the longest time in my strava bio was just easy days easy hard days hard race days everything that's the ethos behind training it's you know consistency first but once you've mastered consistency it's easy days easy all in caps hard days hard in lowercase mm. <laughs> Race days, everything in extra large caps. Just give it everything you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to ask this, but I'm going to anyway. Now knowing that you're a car guy, what's your uh, what's your dream build? In my opinion, most true car guys would say, "Ask me every day," because it's going to it'll be, change. <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah. Because I have some of those friends that it's like my '69 Camaro, and I'm like, "All right, if you get one, that's fine." But right. You're gonna want something else. So I'm a little more of a realist, where I'm like. I've been liking the idea the last few years of doing a little hot rod pickup, I think because Mm -hmm. you can find a rust-free chassis out in the West, (laughs) unlike New England, and now everything's crazy expensive, but you can still find a deal here and there. So I've been I've been looking at the idea of like, I can make some garage space and and tinker with a little pickup truck. I think that'd be kind of fun. My other idea, my first one of my first and still loves is just old Datsun Z cars. Mm-hmm. So I would 240. Yeah. Yeah. I would love, I had a 280 for a while. I would love to get a 240 and yeah. do a full electric motor swap. That would be awesome. Cause that's, I work full time in sustainability and I'm a big fan of, of all thing electrifies. I don't have an electric car yet and I'm not the biggest fan of electric cars in general, but I do think that we're going to have all electric. There's cars potential there. And I feel like the future it's when I'm old, it's going to be only electric is what I think at this point. Electric or hydrogen fuel cells. Like, I, I really do think ice ice engines are going to die out. So I'm like, I'll just switch now and get used to it. And if I do it on my little fun car. So if I could get a little 240Z. Start converting have, it there, you'd be in have, heaven. Have dual motors, all-wheel drive. Yeah. And I mean, so light, you can, yeah. <laughs> I've been researching them a ton, too. I've got some books on it. I was looking at doing it on a, on a little project car. Now I've got a, a 911 out in the garage, and I've been kind of kick, kicking around what it would take to do an yeah. electric conversion there. And then I look at the cost, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll push yeah. that off a little bit. Well, that's the reason I, as you brought up the 911. That's the reason the 240Z has always been my dream car, because when I, when I was a kid, the profile of a 911 was... You can't beat that for a sports car. Oh, Nothing man. could possibly look better. Yeah. But I'll never afford one, so I'll go for a 240Z. Of course, now 240Z is for a clean chassis there too. costs about the same price. So yeah. maybe it'll end up having to be a, a 911. But yeah, that was my that that fastback shape. Yeah, just beautiful. You can't beat that. Yeah. Okay. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna ask one more question. Okay. <laughs> if there was a soundtrack to your life, what would be the title track? The title track. I'm a huge music fan, so now you just got me going. Um I don't know what the track name would be, 
but I've been listening to a lot of 70s metal. So I'm going to okay. say it'd sound like they, it'd have the guitars of like Sabbath. That's for nice. Sure. Like, I don't know what the title track name. It might be just instrumental. Nice. But yeah, I like I like singing along. But yeah, I think the yeah, a 70s metal title track then. Yeah, yeah. And maybe some like tight snare in the background or something. Yeah. Something. Awesome. <laughs> Well, um, for anybody that wants to look you up and find you, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. So um, all of all of my socials have been gradually migrated over to just at Mountain Buttons. Uh, my wife and I have been doing a little YouTube that we're trying to kind of kick off. So we started doing okay. that. And then my Strava is just my name, Dan Button. But yeah, everything else is, is just at Mountain Buttons. Pretty much just the YouTube. I have an Instagram, but I've never really understood uh, yeah <laughs> i'm still struggling with it myself yeah. I, I can post on facebook and figure that out so I, I figure i'm good yeah 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 awesome well dan i really appreciate you taking the time it's been great talking to you yeah. i'm sure we could do this again and talk even more length about yeah, many other now things now that i know so, about cars we can oh, do a couple yeah. hours on that. <laughs> absolutely but uh, best of luck in this year 2024 and uh, nothing but but well wishes for 2025 and seeing that dream come true yeah and likewise best wishes back at you for the for the pod i listened uh, I to the first couple it. episodes it's coming along great so i'm excited to keep listening i appreciate it yeah we'll we'll keep going and and you know see where it goes but it's fun being able to to help uh, share awesome stories like this so yeah, thanks again I appreciate it thanks yeah. all right take care A sincere thank you to my guest, Dan Button, for joining me on episode five of the Run From The Norm podcast. And I would also like to extend my sincere appreciation to you for sharing your time and listening to this episode. You can let me know how we're doing by sending your comments and suggestions to me directly at runfromthenorm at gmail.com. You can also support the podcast by checking out our merch at www.runfromthenorm.com. Our mission is to motivate with compassion, listen without judgment, and inspire with curiosity one person at a time. I hope we have succeeded. Remember, getting outside for even 15 to 20 minutes a day can do wonders for your mental health, and I wish you well as you continue your journey throughout the day. Please watch for episode number six coming soon, and in the meantime, I highly encourage you to run from the norm.